This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Mississippi Education Connection, a show dedicated to providing resources for teachers, parents, and guardians. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. Well, being a parent is never a cakewalk, but parenting during a pandemic is an entirely new challenge for many Mississippi families of children with special needs. Today, we'll welcome Robin Lamones, Director of Special Education, and back for another week, Dr. Nathan Oakley, Chief Academic Officer with the Mississippi Department of Education. Now, we'll talk with them about available resources for districts and families, as well as support for students. Well, last week, we discussed PBS Kids programming and how it's tied to curriculum. Now, if you missed that show, you can listen to our podcast at MPB Online slash Mississippi Education Connection. Well, good morning, Tara. Good morning. Happy Good Friday. Happy Easter to everyone. Yes, it is Good Friday. Yes. And ordinarily, <laughs> in a normal time, yeah. uh, the teachers will be out of school. The mm-hmm. kids will be at home having a Friday and a Monday Easter break, mm-hmm. um, but Easter break is a break, break is a lack of a better word. Everybody's having a long break and a little different break. I mean, they're right taking now. a break from the lessons. They like, are. So they're asking. Teacher says, yes. hey, school's out today and Monday. So right. they get a little break at they home. Do. They do. Yeah. And I mean, all the districts, I think, are complying around the mm-hmm. country, actually. They're not posting uh, assignments. They don't have to log in today right. and the um, or Monday. Correct. Yeah. That's correct, so and that's it's good. good. That yeah. is, they need a break, and we they talked do. about that last week. Uh, if you're listening to the show, and I'm talking to myself, and Tara's talking to herself, too, yeah. we have to distance ourselves from our distance learning. Mm-hmm. We have to distance ourselves from our home, uh, working at home. You have to take a break, take breaks. breathe, walk outside, breathe some fresh air, and then come back to it. It will be there when you get back. Absolutely. Do something different, something fun. Just yeah. take a break. It is, because mm-hmm. it's mentally, physically, and everything uh, good for you. Right. Speaking of good for us, tell us what's uh, new in the Department of Education this week. I know you guys are working hard. Yes. Well, the MPB Education Services team, our main focus this week, this past week, has been to keep the website mm-hmm. and our social media sites updated with the the best resources, when we find things, we put them up there, we gather the content, we package it up, and we just we post it. Mm-hmm. MPB Education Online is our website, and at MPB Education are our social media sites. Our very own Ed said has started putting out some healthy messages ah, for, for the kids as yeah. well, some reminders there. And we're just continuing to put out some workforce development messages and updating the website. And that's just our main focus. Every week, we're putting out the updated TV schedule. Okay. It's on our new at-home learning site at education.mpbonline.org for people to go next week, families and students to look at where we have programming on that supports what they're learning in school. So enrichment programs on MPB television. Okay. And that's our focus is just to keep it fresh, keep it coming for everyone, filtering any questions. People can call us anytime. Mm. Um, 601-432-6565. They can get us a message there or at education at mpbonline.org. 
And we're just here to support. That's good. So um, if a parent is utilizing uh, the resources you guys put up online and they have questions about your, do you put worksheets up and things like that or uh, resource links to resources and worksheets, all that? Worksheets, wow. um, activity sheets, parent activities that they can do with their children. We kind of tell them how to do it. Mm-hmm. Here's the, here are the um, tools you will need. Also, this month we post an, a, an April calendar of activities. Oh. From PBS Kids, and it's a parent portal on the PBS.org website that they can go to and get all sorts of activities that relate to the work they're doing or just something fun to do. And all of those lessons are tied to curriculum. They're all tied to an education or a learning opportunity. And those are the types of things that we are posting. Articles, information, updates from you know, national and the local level, those are the types of, that's the type of information we're, we're trying to push out. I do have a question, you know, mm-hmm. as you know, I have a teenager, so she'll be 17 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, is your curriculum or the resources that you put out there um, for older students as well? Yes, we are pre-K through 12 plus. Oh, okay. And we are, we intentionally pull information for that group as well. Because we know that they need that extra boost as well. Yes. And the parents need some more resources for them. So, yes, pre-K through 12 plus, we push out all sorts of information. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, uh, last week we talked about uh, Lieutenant Governor um, Delbert Holzman's Healthy at Home Project. And that was a really neat project. I love great the idea. idea. Yes, I love the idea of it. Uh, have we put that link up? The link is on MPB education at mpbonline.org. And I actually heard Lieutenant Governor Hoseman in an interview yesterday with Otha Kane, and he was telling how many wonderful responses that, they, that they're getting from children across the state. He actually mentioned that a fourth grader, she ended her particular writing with, we will get through this together. And that's such a positive attitude for a fourth grader to have. So. <laughs> I'm laughing because I've noticed all across the world, the little ones mm-hmm are more optimistic almost than the adults. Encouraging us. They are. And I don't know, Java, I don't know if you noticed this, but the little ones keep us motivated. They keep smiling. They um, say, well, this is going to be over soon. And, you know, I guess we're older and we're we're settled in our ways and we're, you know, adults. But the young ones, they're staying optimistic. They're keeping us optimistic. And kudos to all the kids listening. If you're listening because you're at home, you can listen as well. Uh, Thank you guys for being optimistic. Uh, maybe next week we can um, share one of those stories um, that Delbert um, has on his uh, website. We're looking forward to that. But that in the meantime, nice. people can go to the lieutenant governor's website mm-hmm. and check out all the stories. And hopefully there'll be some art, cool art there and all sorts yeah. of things. But we would definitely share some in the weeks to come. Java, you had something to say? Oh, okay. (laughs) He's looking like, no, I didn't know. Right. Well, you know, each week we come with cool stories of the week and we come with tips from our education department. But before I share our cool story this week, I want to take time out to give our condolences to the family of the JPS elementary teacher who passed away of COVID-19 this week. Um, Shalandra Rollins. She was 38 years old. And she taught special needs children at Span Elementary School in Jackson. She was also the mother of two teenage daughters. Again, rest in peace, Shalandra Rollins, 38. We lost a great teacher. And moving on. And since today, Tara, today is Good Friday. I changed Mm -hmm. the name of the cool story to 
Good news story. Good news story. Let's now, hear them. This one story comes out of Hattiesburg. Now, on March 30th, um, Hattiesburg teachers held a parade for students uh, during the closure. So they they got together and uh, they decorated their cars with handmade signs showing uplifting messages. Uh, they did the caravan. And one teacher says that it was just their way to show their students they simply want things to get back to normal and they miss seeing their faces and for a lot of especially elementary and maybe middle school you're really close i'm not saying you're not close to teachers in high school but especially elementary students uh your teacher is like especially second grade i think i remember my second grade yes your your second grade first grade third grade teachers almost become your mom or dad away from home Mm -hmm. you're with them I think more hours sometimes during the day day. than with your um, uh, mom and dad at home. So being uh, with uh, someone every day for a long period of time and all of a sudden not seeing them and not having that person to encourage you in that capacity is challenging for some students. So it's very challenging. I tell mm -hmm. you, I have my niece at home and we did a first zoom last week and her face lit up when she saw her principal and lit up when she saw her teachers and it's just um, uplifting. And it's something, it keeps them connected to school and keeps them connected to their other friends. And and that's important during this time. And today we're going to talk about special needs students. And that is one of the biggest things a lot of parents across the country was talking about. Yes. How it doesn't matter what type of special need your child has, but that uh, disconnect. Mm -hmm. Uh, These students work closely with their entire team, IEP, therapist, Mm -hmm. um, uh, speech therapist, or whoever it is. They work with them on a daily basis, very close-knit. So having that taken away, Yes. It could cause some drop trauma. It can cause some emotional and social emotional issues that we're going to talk about with our guest today, which is Robin Lamones. She's a special education director and Dr. Nathan Oakley of Mississippi Department of Education. We're going to talk to them about the challenges that parents are having uh, with special needs kids and what resources are available for them. And some strategies and tips that they can can use because, you know, it's a different world. They're used to very structured environments and that has changed drastically and parents having to navigate and, and, you know, get used to that and, you know, we, we're hoping and looking this morning for some um, good tips and strategies yes, for we them, want, I guess. Yes, we, and we want our parents, if you're a guardian parent, even a student or a teacher, especially teachers, if you have questions or concerns uh, about special ne- uh, education, special needs, mm-hmm. give us a call today. We're waiting for your call. You can ask the director of special education for the state of Mississippi any question you'd like to ask. And um, Dr. Nathan Oakley, he's the director of curriculum. So Mm -hmm. they're going to work together and try to provide some great resources and tips for you. And we want to hear from you. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection, only on MPB Think Radio. if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. This is Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education with MPB. Well, in recent weeks, many parents have been thrust into full-time roles of teacher and caregiver while working paying jobs from home. And for parents of children with special needs, the shutting of schools means loss of helpers throughout the day and a support network. So today we're going to speak with Robin Lamones, Director of Special Education, and Dr. Nathan Oakley, Chief Academic Officer with the Mississippi Department of Education. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Welcome back, Dr. Oakley, and welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you so much. Glad to be with you. Glad to have you guys here. And Robin, thanks for being a part of the show today. I know a lot of things are going on in our lives right now. And just to take a little time out and be a part of MPB, I thank you guys for that. Um, Absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, before we get started um, talking about, you know, special needs and special education, um, Dr. Oakley, I'll start with you. Glad you can join us again. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and remind our listeners what your role is with the Department of Education? Sure. So I am the Chief Academic Officer for the Department of Ed. I went to the department in 2012, previously had served as as a teacher and a school principal and worked in a central office role. Uh, you were talking earlier about the little ones and how much uh, positivity they bring to the conversation. One of my favorite jobs was working as an elementary school principal. They were just, it was a delight every day to get to see the little ones uh, who were uh, excited to see you uh, when they came through the school doors in the morning. But uh, in the role with the department now, I've got responsibility for general education and special education across pre-K through 12th grade and also support federal programs and school improvement, compulsory school attendance, uh, career technical education, uh, there's there's several large offices and a strong team that, that work at our shop. All right. Well, Robin, before we begin, of course, discussing particular challenges that parents, uh, special needs children have, teaching from home, and et cetera, can you tell us how you're doing in the transition of this new normal? Uh, well, I can tell you, it's um, I have gotten to experience it firsthand as uh, my husband and I raise our grandchild. And um, she is 10. And so I, too, am having to balance the demands of work and the challenges of this new norm that we have established on how to um, make instruction accessible for students um, while trying to demand balance the work demand. So it has been a very difficult challenge for me as well. My coworkers know all the time I'm saying, hey, if this is what I'm experiencing and the difficulties I'm having balancing work, and teaching um, from home, I can't imagine what other parents are feeling that don't have educational backgrounds. And, you know, Robin, I'm so glad. Tara and I are shaking our heads while you were talking. Mm-hmm. We are so glad you just said that because some some parents would say, well, the teachers don't understand what we're going through and they don't this and that. You really understand firsthand the challenges of of being thrust into this new normal, this distance learning with having to balance your job and teaching your kids, or in my case, making sure your 16 or 17 year old actually completes the work. That is a whole nother challenge. And it's, it's, um, sometimes we need a lifesaver or some help. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
you know, we've talked about the um, emotional piece for children, the fear that's attached and, and how we need to be talking to them every day. But our families that are feeling that pressure from, I have these projects that I'm expected to complete at home. And so how do I balance my schedule so that I am meeting those demands? Um, and, and, and also, you know, assisting my child with, you know, content that I as a parent may not even understand. Robin, can you tell us a little bit about your role? You're exactly right about all that. Tell us a little bit about your role in the Department of Education. So um, the director of the Office of Special Education, so I'll try to keep us compliant with all the IDEA and federal regula- regulations um, for, for students with disabilities, um, but also trying to ensure that we are looking at performance of the students. Are we providing them appropriate um, instruction and content that they need to be successful. Um, in the past, I um, was the um, director of the Office of Student Intervention Services, where I worked with um, pre-K all the way through 12th grade to support um, the needs of students that struggled. Um, I have been at the department as the director of literacy and of early childhood um, back in the beginning when the first two pieces of legislation for the Early Learning Collaborative and the Literacy-Based Promotion Act were passed. Um, I have been everything from a pre-K teacher all the way to a adjunct reading professor um, um, at Heinz Community College. So you are very diverse in your understanding of what we're facing, what we're going on, what people and parents might be, um, the challenges that they may have. So can you tell us yes, how ma'am. many... Students in Mississippi are classified as special needs that may have IEPs. And as you're talking about IEPs, just kind of give a little explanation of what an IEP is for our listeners. So um, I am not, I don't know the number. Nathan, do you know the number right offhand about the number of special education students in our state? Um, It runs about 10%, 10 to 12%, if I'm not mistaken, of our overall population. And so it runs... uh, Right between fifty and sixty thousand, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay. Some sort of um, or some sort of identification. So, and an individual educational plan is developed based on the specific needs of the student. So, the students are assessed. They have a comprehensive assessment that identifies what their deficits are, and then a committee develops an individual educational plan for these students to target those deficiencies. They establish goals. They progress monitor those goals to ensure that students are on track to meet those targets. Um, And ultimately, the goal is to ensure that they graduate um, career and college ready. Um, So it is a plan that is really developed specifically based on their needs. You know, there's 13 different disability categories. So what those individual educational plans look like varies tremendously because they're based on the student's needs. So yes. some may be for reading, mm-hmm. some may be for math, some may be for receptive and expressive language, um, delays. So there's just a vast array of what those plans might like, might look like. Um, and they are developed in, in um, collaboration with parents. All right. And well, during this time, they're required to keep up parents or are the teachers required to work with the parents to keep up with the goals of the IEPs? Is, is that what's happening now? So very much we continue to fully support that districts are expected to 
provide that free and appropriate education to all students. However, what we know is the flexibility of that delivery of those supports is is really something that's ha- that we're really having to say. We've got to be flexible as we continue to work with these families to meet the individual needs of these students. Um, you know, some of our students were receiving OT and PT. Well, those are hands-on things, mm-hmm. and we know that our priority right now is the health and safety of that school personnel, the staff, and these families. And so, as you can imagine, that that looks very different because we don't have OTs going into homes and we don't have speech therapists going in to work on articulation um, disorders. So it, some of those things are being done virtually. Um, you know, um, we have um, some districts that have gotten their um, special education teachers online and they've actually gone through dyslexia therapy um, programs and have the flashcards and their kids are making the sounds on the other end as they're reproducing the sounds the teacher is um, making. So it looks very different because it's a virtual type of instruction. And we've just said, you know, right now, if we will focus on the health and safety of our students and then we can work individually with these families. I know these, um, these special education teachers are making calls to parents and saying, okay, you know, let's, Let's see, what can we work on? Here are some activities that you can do at home to ensure that your child continues to um, grow in, in the areas of concern. So it sounds like you're saying, especially the special um, education or special needs teachers are being a little more hands-on than the average teacher because it's needed. Those uh particular students have to have that hands-on and right now since they can't be in the room with the child they have to see them virtually and then actually help the parents uh, do what they do at school at home um can, right, can you tell us uh the difference between special education and special needs or is there a difference so i would think that special education is the, the service. Special education is a service that we provide to ensure that the individual needs of students are are met. And I think when we talk about special needs, I think we can look at every everybody has special needs. Mm-hmm. Even our children in general education may require at some time some special support. But our special needs children, to me, are the children that require the most support. We've identified them with a specific disability um, and their their needs are more intense than than probably some of the children in the general education um, environment. And so the support, the level of support that children with special needs have, it is is often greater as far as that one to one support. Um, that our general education students may need. All right. Well, today we are talking about um, teaching special needs, special education students um, at home. If you are a parent, teacher, student, guardian, or you want to give us a call, you have a question for our guest, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Here's your time to call and ask any question you wanted to ask. We have the Director of Special Education with the Mississippi Department of Education, Robin Lamones, and Dr. Nathan Oakley, Curriculum Director with the Mississippi Department of Education. Now, I have a question about about curriculum, uh, Nathan and Robin, you can answer at your will. But 
was there a contingent plan or was there any plan for something like this prior to this? And I know people have asked you this before, and why would you have a pandemic-type plan scheduled? But, I mean, have it in the books, but maybe you did. Was there one? So I wouldn't say there was a comprehensive plan to address the pandemic such as we're in now. I don't, I don't know that any state in the country or any, any country in the world was necessarily fully equipped for what we're facing right now. I would say that we had some structures in place, uh, some policies and guidelines and processes in place for districts wherein they could offer online and virtual learning content uh, to students. We've had that in place for a number of years now. We've got a, a districts across the state that offer uh, digital content to their students through our uh, Mississippi online course approval process or our MOCA process. And so we've got a lot of districts that have leaned on that mechanism to deliver content. We also know that we have students in high schools that are taking dual credit courses. Some of those are delivered online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think where we've had um, maybe the, the greater challenge has been uh, serving students in rural areas that don't have connectivity with Internet, don't have device uh, accessibility uh, with a computer or a tablet to be able to access lessons. Uh, and then with lower elementary grades, uh, a lot of our online content that we've used traditionally has been for upper grades because those learners are so much more independent than a student who's in kindergarten or first grade who needs that direct support uh, and, and instruction from a teacher uh, to, to work through uh, classwork or to work through assignments. So we had some foundational pieces in place, uh, but the, the, that immediate transition uh, has driven a lot of innovation within districts. Uh, and, and in some cases, going back to simple solutions to make uh, content available, we've got districts that have uh, put together make-and-take packets, uh, like you might see for a student who is out for an extended absence or an illness. Uh, and maybe the teacher would put together their assignments for them and send them home for the week or for two weeks they knew they were going to be out. We've got districts that have, have taken that approach and have made packets widely available to students, and they've, they've made them available at school when they've done lunch. Uh, make and take lunch pickups for, for parents to drive through and pick up meals. They can also pick up their assignment packets. They've also, in some cases, been delivering those out directly to families in their homes if they've been running bus routes uh, to deliver meals across the district. They've been, at the same time, delivering assignments out to, uh, to families. And so uh, while there wasn't a, a formal comprehensive plan for something such as this, um, we had districts and schools and teachers that came up with solutions and the department came up with some, some recommended practices pretty quickly. All right. Well, we're going to take another quick break, but when we return, we'll continue talking with Robin Lomonez and Dr. Nathan Oakley with the Mississippi Department of Education. Now, if you have questions or comments for our guests, please give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. This is your time to get your questions answered and get your voice heard. Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection on on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
You're listening to Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here with MPB. Well, today we've been speaking with Robin Lamones, Director of Education, Special Education uh, with the Mississippi Department of Education, and Dr. Nathan Oakley, Chief Academic Officer with the Department of Education as well. Now, phone lines are open. Please be patient with us. If you have a question or comment, for our guest here, now is the time to call. Now, like we said earlier, it's Good Friday, so teaching across the nation has stopped today. You can relax. This is your time to pick up the phone, and you get to talk to the uh, director of special education and the director of curriculum with the Mississippi Department of Education. Any question you'd like to ask, it doesn't necessarily have to be about special education and special needs, uh, but any question you'd like to ask, here's your platform right now. Again, that number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Now, before the break, um, Robin and uh, Nathan, we were talking about the challenges that um, parents are, would, are having uh, with special needs students and the difference of challenges. Again, a lot of these students have an uh, entire team that they work with. They work with a teacher, a, maybe a speech therapist or some type of therapist, and they go to different platforms and they're used to having, like Tara said, a structured day. What type of resources, again, are available for parents at home that don't have this team, this network? Sure. So we have put together on the department side, and this you had asked about, did we have a, a plan for such a situation as this earlier? Um, we, we put together a, a resource list for districts as they are considering how they might deploy materials and resources out to families. Uh, we put out guidance to them on considerations if they have technology, uh, but they don't have the content, or if they have content, but they don't have devices, or you know, different scenarios. We've put guidance out for districts for them to be able to explore mechanisms to deliver that material and that instruction uh, content out to families in this time. And then we've also put together a separate page uh, specifically for parents. And uh, there's a number of resources there that that MPB broadcast schedule that I know we talked about last week mm-hmm. is on there with the educational broadcast uh, during the day. We've also put out some basic basic tips for learning at home for parents. And the, this time when, when kids are at home, I know we're at Good Friday celebrating Easter weekend uh, over the next couple of days. Uh, and so there's this little pause that folks feel right now, I hope. Uh, but as we look at what this time uh, in, in learning at home uh, looks like from day to day, we would encourage parents, like you cannot just uh, go into your morning and expect to recreate an 8 to 3 kind of school day. Right. Uh, don't try to, to, to take that approach. You're, you're going to be frustrated your children are going to be frustrated, um, but at the same time, don't take this snow day mentality when, when it's a free day for everybody all day long. You need to create a space that your students can work in. Maybe it's at the kitchen table. Maybe it's at a desk in the room. It may be at the, at the coffee table in the living room with the television off for a bit, but find a space that students can go to and work um, for, on journal activities, on art activities, on their math and science and reading. And then set a schedule each day, and each family is going to have to figure out what that looks like, but students need that routine um, day-to-day to feel some sense of normalcy. Uh, that's going to be helpful to them. It'll be helpful to you as well as parents, I would say. And then sync your schedules. If, if your schedule with work uh, has you working from home and you're um, particularly busy 
in the morning. Maybe you consider how, uh, if you've got some assignments your students can work on independently, or maybe they've got some PE time at that part of day. And if you've got some time later in the day or in the evening even, if you need to break the schedule up, find what works for you, but, but make that work for your family. And then I would say um, take this opportunity to look at learning much more broadly than reading and writing and math and science and social studies and arts and PE. Look at it as an opportunity to teach students uh, some other kinds of skills and some other kinds of lessons. Uh, there are opportunities for students to help you know, loading the dishwasher or washing dishes or folding clothes or all different kinds of things um, just to, to make a household work from day to day. Um, and so consider those opportunities. Give students some playtime, certainly. They need time to, um, to decompress and to explore uh, the world around them, and then give them some time to reflect. Ultimately, um, we know that we are living history right now, and 30, 50, 100 years from now, folks will be reading about this time in the history books. We look back about 100 years at the Spanish flu epidemic um, from the uh, 19-teens. And so give students an opportunity to journal and to write. Ask them some questions about what they're feeling and how they're thinking, um, and then support them. Be a cheerleader for them. Encourage them along the way. Uh, they're going to the – students are, entire, are, are incredibly resilient. And so uh, we just ask parents to encourage them and to support them during this time. We, that's great. Great advice. Uh, we do have two callers on the line. We're going to go to Tanya right first. And she is in – I cannot see that. Indiana. <laughs> All the way from Indiana. Good morning, Tanya. You have a question or comment for the show? Good morning. I do. I, uh, first of all, I'd like say the program is a great uh, show. I love it. Thank you. Um, Tara is actually my sister. I listen in um, ever since you guys started. You guys are doing a great job. You sound I like her. <laughs> you sound Thank alike. You. you sound alike. I have, I have grandchildren in the Mississippi school system. And I just want to know, um, what if students can't meet virtually with their teachers? Are there other resources resources that the teachers are using to reach out to those students? Good question. That's a great question. And I think Dr. Oakley covered some of that, and I'll let him speak to that again. But that has been a, a very much a top concern of ours, is that there are students that don't have access to technology so that they can have virtual meetings with their, um, with their teachers. So those learning packets that, we've, um, that districts are sending home um, – that they've developed specifically for those students. Um, um, if they have access to um, computers and they can go online, we have the Student Guides for Student Success, and we have those developed all the way from pre-K through eighth grade, and those have our reading and our math standards. And the neat thing about those books is they were, de they were developed for parents. So it's, they're written in a very um, parent-friendly language, and they say, this is, the, this is the standard, this is what that standard means, and then these are some, these are some activities, and they're really written more like games, and, they're writ and they say, these are the things that you're going to need to help your child master this standard. So it could be that they're going to graphing, and say so for graphing, all you need is a piece of paper and maybe some pennies or a piece of paper and some dried beans and you can roll the dice and draft and, and, and graph, you know, uh, five rolls. How, what number did I roll on each, each, um, each turn? So those guides are out there. Um, 
districts have been very, um, um, I think, very careful to develop these packets so that students will be able to use these things at home. Very good, very good. And I would say, I have one more question. Sure, and I would share one more resource. Are there any legal obligations for the the district and for the families of students with the IEPs and special needs? So I would say for, for districts that are that are providing educational services to their general education population, to, the, to that extent, they also need to be providing services to their students with disabilities. Now, that, that the approach that they take based on whether students have access to technology or do not uh, may vary, but uh, certainly they would be, if they're serving the gen ed population, the general ed students, they would also uh, be serving the students with disabilities. We recognize in some cases that students, when they come back from this extended closure, um, may need extended school year services. They may need some compensatory services to address learning loss that may take place. Uh, but absolutely, there's an obligation for districts. If they are serving um, their general population, they would also uh, be obligated to serve their students with disabilities. All right. And we're and as an agency, you know, we're not asking for a waiver to say, hey, we're not going to provide these supports for these kids. Instead, what we're saying is during this time of school closures, we just need to be flexible. We need to be flexible with our timelines and our procedures just during this time when health and safety is, you know, at the forefront of of our you know, of our platform, we want to be able to ensure that, you know, that that's a priority um, while we continue to meet the needs of the students, but we just need to be a little bit flexible in meeting those timelines and requirements. Yes. Thank you, Tanya. All the way from Indiana. Great questions there. We're going to move on and speak to Craig from Biloxi. Good morning, Craig. What's your question or comment? Hey, hey good morning. Uh, I was wondering if People will be able to continue classes after after the uh, virus is lifted. If they will be able to continue online, I have met a bunch of people who did homeschooling, you know, 20 years ago, and they actually did better on the test than than the people who were in the uh, in the regular school. But they their social skills were lacking. So, Craig, if we understand your question, can students who were, or well, all students are going to um, distance learning right now, can they continue distance learning maybe next some, uh, next year when the next school year uh, starts? Do they have an option to do online learning versus going to uh, the school building? Is that what your question is? Yeah, correct. Okay. Correct. Good question. So I'll, I'll respond to that. That, that is certainly, I think, a, a growing uh, topic uh, as we're looking at this uh, situation here in the state. Uh, I think we're, we're wrestling with that here, as are other states. We're in, in regular conversation with other departments of education from, from states around the country. And so that's going to require us to look closely at the policies that we've got around attendance, the policies that we've got around how attendance is calculated. We do have a lot of opportunities right now for some of that distance learning or online learning to take place. We've got districts that are, are taking advantage of that, students that are taking advantage of that. Um, but I do think that this this period of time is going to force us to take a closer look at what those opportunities might look like for students and for schools down the road. I know there's a, a gro- an interest there that is has um, kind of burgeoned out of this conversation or out of this uh, current situation. 
Yes, yes. And we'll talk about that um, on our last segment. It's time for us to take our last break. Thank you, Craig, for calling in from Biloxi. And thanks, uh, Tanya from uh, Indiana. We're going to take our last break, but phone lines are still open. Mangle, hold tight. From Hines County, we will get to you after the break. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 If you have a question or a comment for our guest, please give us a call. Now is the time. Stay tuned for more. This is Mississippi Education Connection. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, "Eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. Well, if you're just joining us today, we've been discussing at-home learning for parents of children with special needs with our guest, Robin Lamones, Director of Special Education, and Dr. Nathan Oakley, Chief Academic Officer with the Mississippi Department of Education. Now, it's not too late to get your question or comment in. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. As promised, we'll go back to the phone lines and welcome Mangle from Hines County to the show. Good morning, Mangle. Good morning. How are you? Doing wonderful. You have a question or comment for our guest? I do. Great show. I've been listening every week. Thank you. I think this is a question really not related to COVID, but just really beyond COVID. Uh, IEP questions, uh, we know that in the school system that all students with an IEP are not on the same learning curve. Some are more advanced and highly functioning and can possibly move into, uh, I would think, a mainstream, a mainstream uh, classroom setting if they have specialized instructions in their area of special need like reading or math. And so my question is, how is this being addressed um, within the the district, and um, is this a measured outcome for you uh, to help these students or to focus more so on some of these students to help them move from the IEP into the mainstream classroom? Thank you. So I'll answer a part of it, and Dr. Oakley may want to chime in, but inclusion is, you know, is very important. So ensuring that students with special needs that have IEPs are included in the regular classroom is is really um, the most important piece for those kids because then we know they benefit from from the social um, interaction that they have with those students as well as we know if you were in a classroom with peers that are even functioning at a higher level than than you are academically that we learn from those individuals. So I think. Absolutely a priority of our state is to provide training, supports, and, um, and, and we are at this very moment developing a Canvas course um, that, um, you know, for teachers to participate in to show, like, here are some best practices. This is what inclusion looks like so that those students are spending the majority of their day in a regular education classroom being challenged at the same level that other students are being challenged at 
with some addition while being given some additional support. Okay, may I have a follow up question? Yes, sure. Uh, my, okay, my follow up question is this. Let's uh, let me just give you a brief scenario. Let's say you in in a special needs class, there is maybe one, two, three students that are struggling, maybe with reading, or struggling with math, or whatever they may be struggling with. Uh, during the course of a day, how is that student um, dealt with as far as giving some special attention to those special areas? that would help them to uh, have a better uh, focus on moving from that class, you know, into the mainstream, you know, to help them with their reading or with their math or whatever they're struggling with. Uh, Is there a special focus on a daily basis, which will benefit them more so? I understand the transition into other classes will be beneficial as well, but on a daily basis, uh, it's just my thought that something should be looked at. If that's not something that's being done on a daily basis, so I want to I want to make sure that I am addressing your question. Say, are you asking if these students are in a regular education classroom? If we're if these students are, with special needs are placed in a regular education classroom, um, what those supports within that classroom should look like? So what I'm asking in the special in the classroom in the special uh, needs class, let's say the student is struggling with, you know, they can do a lot of things as uh, well, but they are struggling with, let's just say, reading. So on a daily basis, is there some special attention being given to that student to help him or her, you know, advance in that particular area? So, yes, I think that, it, and it's going to depend on, on the district and what exactly that district is is utilizing, but yes, they will be provided some specific interventions that are tailored toward their deficit. So let's say that they're having difficulty with um, with phonics, and so their their lessons are going to be developed specifically to meet their needs on phonics. And it may be a specific program that the district has purchased that guides the instruction that the interventionist or that special education teacher is providing. But absolutely, they will be provided specific supports that address their deficit. Um, and, and what that looks like is going to vary among the districts. But absolutely, if they have a deficiency in reading, they are to be receiving specialized instruction to address those, those areas of deficit. All right. Well, in the last few minutes, guys, uh, we don't want to run out of time without asking this real important question. Now, we know Governor Reeves uh, will be making a statement next Tuesday concerning um, when students will return to school. Given that, how will pass or fail um, be handled with students who are already tracking to fail or who needed more requirements to be met and are not able to do so? What does that look like for those students moving forward? Sure. So, one of the actions that the state board took in March was to uh, waive some existing uh, accountability standards so that districts have some discretion in uh, scheduling of, of their courses and the seat time requirements for students that are enrolled to be able to earn a Carnegie unit. Maybe they still needed a half credit course this spring and they're on a four by four block and it was the last nine weeks. So districts have some discretion in how that course is delivered and how those grades are assigned. Grading really uh, in Mississippi is a local district decision, and so we've given them some flexibility to be able to make those grading decisions. Uh, just in, in talking with districts, some districts are looking at uh, their their first three nine weeks 
worth of work and looking at the outcomes that the students had at that point in time, uh, in addition to any work that's completed and submitted back for uh, review this fourth nine weeks. Uh, but there's there are other districts that are looking at, uh, at they've gone full virtual uh, at this point in time, and they've pushed the content out to all of their students. They've pushed out hotspots to their students to have uh, Internet access and are, are getting those assignments turned back in. But that really is a local decision. Uh, we, are, we maintain this balance in Mississippi between kind of state oversight and support and technical assistance and local control of, of some of the content and grading and such. Thank you for that answer, Dr. Oakley, because that's been a question on a lot of people's um, minds around here and, and teachers and parents that I've heard from. Also, we know that teachers are working really hard. Parents are trying to cope, and they're also working really hard. And we've heard from lots of parents who said they're even giving up a little bit. What words of encourage, encouragement do you, Dr. Oakley and Robin, have as we end the show today? What, what words of encouragement do you have for those um, parents? In 30 seconds. <laughs> um, uh, real quick, I think give, your permi- give yourself permission to check out. Like, give yourself permission to say it is okay when you're feeling overwhelmed to say, let's stop for a minute with our schoolwork. Let me pull away from my project despite the demands at work. Give yourself permission to really meet the, the emotional needs of your family and ensure that that is your priority. All right. Well, yeah. thank you. Oh, Dr. Oakley, you have one no, more thing to say? I would say uh, – Enjoy the time with your kids. I've got a senior all the way down to a fourth grader, and it's a special time to get to spend some additional time with them. And so as hard as that is, cherish this. Very, very good. Well, we've come to the end of another great show. We want to thank our guest, Robin Lamonez, Director of Special Education, and Dr. Nathan Oakley, Chief Academic Officer with the Mississippi Department of Education. Now, if you didn't get to hear this show in its entirety, listen to our podcast at mpbonline.org. This has been a production of MPB Think Radio in conjunction with with MPB's Education Services Department and, of course, the Mississippi Department of Education. For Tara Wren, I'm Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women Up Next and join us next Friday as we continue to provide educational resources throughout this COVID-19 crisis. This is Mississippi Education Connection, only on MPB Think Radio.